Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, he, he got it. He, he, he got it. it. We're going he got it. Mike Zanino <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Give me a baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Welcome to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is uh, site co-expert Colby Patnode coming at you, always, as always, with uh, the other co-site expert, uh, Ty Gonzalez. Ty, uh, how are you doing today? Doing pretty all right. You know, we got a week left of the season. Just going to casually watch some ball this week. Um, say farewell to this 2018, uh, 2018 team and... Uh, Get ready for the 2019 uh, offseason. Yeah, that's kind of what we're all doing right now. And uh, as a matter of fact, we are going to continue our trend of uh, shifting away from regular season baseball to uh, the offseason. But before we talk about that, I just I have to ask, are you Ty, do you enjoy like meaningless baseball in late September or are you just kind of like whatever? Um, you know, it depends. I mean, uh, I, I think I've gotten over my, my initial, um, pain that the Mariners caused this year and now can just look at them from, um, a more fun perspective, I guess, and just, and just be able to just casually watch them with no real feelings attached and just kind of get one last assessment of, uh, where the team is. Uh, which players exit the season hot, which players don't. Um, that kind of gives us an idea of maybe who to be excited about uh, going into the off season. Um, and yeah, well, you know, it's it's hard to you know fully um, wrap yourself in in it. <laughs> um, I. You know, I, I I won't lie and say that I've been watching every game this past month and a half. Um, but uh, you know, this week, you know, there there won't be any baseball until March, so might as well um, watch some baseball. Get you know, or well, watch some Mariner baseball, and um, yeah, and just shift my attention to the 2019. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, I always find this time of year bittersweet because when baseball is meaningless, I really just get to sit there and watch. And believe it or not, it's the only time I'm not kind of thinking like, hey, service is an idiot for not using this guy here because it just, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. And honestly, I'm rooting for them to lose, which sounds bad, but uh, mm-hmm. I just, 
I don't get any consolation prize between winning 90 games or winning 85. You know, it just doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and I and I wrote about this, and this article will come up uh, tomorrow morning. But um, I wrote that uh, I I honestly feel that getting to 90 plus wins would be more detrimental to this team than it would actually help because even if you get to 90 wins, you didn't do anything. Yeah. But I feel like that number specifically gives them even more of a false sense of hope for where this current team is and where they, they believe they could go. Sure. Um, and I think that would mask some of the glaring holes and cause uh, Jerry DePoto and co to kind of ignore those holes because we saw that last year with, or, you know, last spring with the glaring holes of the starting rotation, you know, Jerry DePoto's, unwavering faith in that rotation, you know, played a key role in this team's downfall um, in the season. And so I, I, I feel like getting to 90, while that doesn't, that's not a huge shift from 85 plus wins. I, I still feel like becoming the first team to win 90 games and miss the playoffs in the second wild card era um would cause for a lot of confusion with the, within the organization. So, yeah. So I, and in, in essence, I'm kind of rooting against them as well. Um, but still, you know, I just, I want, I want to watch some ball. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, Diaz still has an opportunity to break the saves record, but he would have to get a save in the next seven games. So, um, <laughs> probably not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you know, it's just there. There's there are very few storylines, which I kind of like, kind of don't. Whatever. It's just you know, it's fun, meaningless baseball. Whatever. Yep. So be on the lookout for that article uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, you know, with that, we are going to continue to shift our focus towards the off season. And uh, you know, this weekend, I tasked. Ty and myself with a, uh, a little compilation list, so to speak, of what uh, what fantasy football players might be familiar with uh, as flag players. So today we are going to each talk about our five best or five biggest flag players. If you don't know what a flag player is, um, the term originated, as far as I know, from Christopher Harris, who used to write about uh, fantasy football at ESPN, and now he's... Uh, does an independent fantasy football podcast called Harris Football. You should check it out. It's really good. But anyways, uh, a flag player, for those of you who don't know, is kind of a player that you are staking your claim on. Um, And the way that we chose to interpret that for our purposes is if the Mariners acquired this player, we uh, we would be more excited or like the move more than most Mariner fans. That doesn't mean all. Um, it's just guys that we would be excited about acquiring um, that we think other people might not love as much. And that's what a flag player is. It's You're staking your claim on a player. In addition to that, we have also uh, listed out our five most underwhelming acquisitions. Uh, the, at least the way I looked at this was that these are guys who, if they signed, I mean – they wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but also it just wouldn't excite us like at all. Is that, is that how you interpreted it, Ty? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, five flag players each. We have 
five uh, underwhelming players each, and then we have a few honorable mentions for flag players as well. So uh, I think we'll just go down the list starting at number five uh, and then work our way down to one. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, Ty. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off and give us your number five flag player for this offseason. Uh, so number five is someone that if um, you've listened to the podcast quite a bit, especially around the um, the trade deadline and the waiver deadline, uh, that I'm very fond of is Daniel Murphy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Daniel Murphy is my number five. Uh, Murphy, I was hoping that the Mariners would acquire uh, – at the waiver deadline or around that time. Um, they didn't, he went to the Cubs and um, I think he, well, this is all contingent really upon um, D Gordon. Um, if he sticks or not, uh, if Gordon sticks around, he will, he should become the utility guy and therefore the, the Mariners won't really require a utility player. But if they choose not to, uh, and move on from Gordon, then Daniel Murphy could be an excellent utility player. Uh, he could also be uh, your everyday second baseman if you choose to put Cano at first every day. Um, he hits for average, gets on base a ton, has some sneaky pop. He's just one of those uh, under-the-radar, really good players, um, very, you know, Jed Lowry-ish. Um, I think he he would have the potential to really um, bolster this this lineup, uh, deepen it, um, and create a bit of more a bit more consistency within it. Uh, and I would be very pumped. And a lot of people, um, you know, would probably you know some people have issues with Daniel Murphy, especially because of some comments he's made in the past. Um, but he is a really good player. I think he fits the style of baseball that the Mariners want to play, uh, and I would be ecstatic to have him on the team. Yeah, that's an interesting player. Um, I did not have him anywhere near my uh, – he wasn't in my honorable mentions or anything, but I actually think that's a that's a really good idea, especially if you're committed to uh, D. Gordon as either the utility guy or the center fielder and then Cano as the first baseman. So Yeah. Um, and Murphy can play a little bit of first. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I was kind of assuming that Nelson Cruz would be back when I made my uh-huh. list. But if not, then Murphy makes a lot of sense because you can kind of rotate that uh, those couple players through the DH spot every now and then. Yeah, that, that's a great point that I, I, I failed to overlook because I also assumed that um, Cruz will be coming back. Um, which is a real possibility that he won't, um, but we'll see. Uh, but I, 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 I think it's more likely than not that Cruz will be back. So that's kind of how I worked it around. And, uh, you mentioned, uh, D Gordon going to center field as well. I'm not sure if that will be in their future plans. It's possible. Um, but I think with how shaky D was this year, um, it kind he, his year kind of goes against what, Jerry DePoto looks for, especially in a leadoff hitter or even a nine-hole hitter. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see DePoto move on from uh, Gordon and trade him. Sure, that would uh, that would make a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah. anyway, so for my number five flag player, 
I am selecting a longtime favorite of mine, Kevin Kiermeyer of the Tampa Bay Rays. Ooh. Yeah, uh, trade candidate. The Rays have been uh, a really surprising team this year, a really good team, it turns out. Um, the Mariners went 6-1 and one against them, so that, that's a fun note. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they've been really good, but they did recently. That's before – that's before Meadows and Glasnow yeah. and, and Pham. Yeah, and that's exactly right. They At the deadline, they went out and they acquired Tommy Pham, and they acquired, uh, they acquired Austin Meadows. They already have Malik Smith. The outfield is getting awfully crowded in, uh, in Tampa Bay. And that's not including the times that they want to put Jake Bowers out there in left field. So it's a very crowded outfield. As we all know, the Rays are not flush with cash. Um and so there might be an opportunity here to buy low on a really good uh, player. Just uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is going to turn 29 years old just after opening day next year. He is under contract for um, at least four more seasons with the option for a fifth. Uh, in 2019, he's going to earn $8 million. In 2020, it'll be 10 and then 11.5 and then 12 and then 13. So it's a pretty... Uh, you know, it's a pretty fair contract, I think, especially for the player you're getting. Uh, Kiermaier is a slightly below average bat uh, for most of his career, um, or average, right about there. But he is an exceptional base runner. He is also an exceptional center fielder. And I think after watching Dee Gordon and Mitch Haniger and Guillermo Heredia for most of the season... I think it would be a very wise idea to invest in a great defensive center fielder. And Kevin Kiermeyer, for me, is that guy. He's a guy that you hit at the bottom of the order, but he does have some pop. Um, he also can steal a ba- he also can steal a bag. What you're really paying for here is the defense. I think Tampa Bay would be interested in moving him. I know that the Mariners and Tampa Bay have a great relationship with each other. Um, I think the salary might scare off some teams. Because there is the risk of injury. You know, over the last three years, Kiermaier has averaged just uh, just under, uh, uh, sorry, 96 games played. So uh, there's definitely injury risk there. But I also think that's to the Mariners' benefit in terms of uh, value. So uh, bring me Kevin Kiermaier, and let's get back to what Jerry DePoto said he was going to do when he got here, which is build an elite defensive outfield. And you can't you can't be serious you can't seriously say that and then tell everybody that D Gordon is your guy. I just I don't see how you can do that. So Kevin Kiermeyer yeah. is the guy at number five. Yeah, yeah. Kiermeyer is a very Leonis esque uh, acquisition, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of upside there. Um, I think that's a really really good selection actually. Um, for my number four. I went in this. This could honestly apply to multiple players, but the one that I really focused on was Andrew Miller. Um, I think I, you know, I obviously Andrew Miller is is going to command a lot of interest in the offseason on the free agent market. But the one thing that the Mariners have struggled to acquire for their bullpen in in Jerry DePoto uh, yeah if i can talk in Jerry DePoto's tenure um, is a lefty specialist but not just a le- but Andrew Miller is way more than a lefty specialist he is way more than that he is one of the elite relievers in baseball he's had a down year this year dealt with some injuries but 
he is still one of the elite relievers in this league, um, acquiring him to fill out your um, your bullpen, m- uh, pair him with um, Colome and Diaz, and create a, even more um, flexibility with how you can use those three relievers if Scott Service is willing, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, even if it's not Miller, let's say Zach Britton, let's say David Robertson. Um, obviously, one of those is a right-hander, but you know, acquiring one of these top-level relievers, which there are quite a few of this free agent market, plus there are some relievers that will be available in the trade market and probably for cheaper than usual because of how deep the free agent market is. Um, it's it's a great opportunity for the Mariners to finally build a strong, very strong uh, bullpen. And I think Andrew Miller um, would be someone that would, you know, take this, this bullpen over the top that would make, you know, because you, you see what's, what's happened with the A's, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with how they've built this bullpen, their, their rotation is terrible on paper is just utter trash. Um, but they've been able to hold leads and um, that's due to how much they, how greedy they've gotten on the trade market uh, in terms of relievers. You know, they got Rodney, they got Familia, you know, and they, and they added to a, to a bullpen that already had Trevino and Trinan. Um, It's a deep bullpen. The Mariners could use a deep bullpen, especially if, you know, they're going to run Felix Hernandez out there again. Um, if they're going to have Mike Leak out there, who's inconsistent at times, you know, Wade LeBlanc will probably regress. Um, and, you know, James Paxson will maybe succumb to injury once again. Um, there will be a lot of questions about uh, the rotation. And I think acquiring a starter doesn't acquiring one started doesn't fix the rotation, but if you can create a deep bullpen, especially around someone like Andrew Miller to go along with Coloman Diaz, that uh, really helps push you forward into playoff contention and helps you sustain um, a more winning culture, I guess you could say over the course of a season. That's an interesting one. Um, I'm typically not in favor of giving up draft capital for uh, Andrew Miller or any reliever. Um, And that's why I included him, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's tough. We'll see if he gets the qualifying offer. Um, I think he probably will, but I can't be sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I do like the idea of adding to the bullpen. Um, We certainly saw a weakness in uh, the seventh inning this year. Um, And it just, it'd be nice to... Uh, have somebody that you can put out there um, with Nicasio, especially since, you know, service is going to stick to his, uh, his innings based uh, bullpen management. Yeah. Uh, if he's going to be an idiot, you got to try and make your bullpen idiot proof, I guess is the only thing I can say. So, Correct. Uh, yeah, I like the idea of going big on a reliever. Um, so, uh, you know, if it's Andrew Miller, that's, that's fine with me. It, 
I'm, def- I'm certainly not going to complain about that. Yeah, and it could be, you know, it could be someone like Britton because he won't have the QO attached to him since he was traded. Um, but then again, that also beefs up his market uh, quite a bit. Um, Miller will have a lot of interest, but probably not as much because he'll have the QO attached to him. So only a handful of teams will want to uh, look at that. And, you know, obviously Cleveland is one is going to want to retain him along with Cody Allen. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think the Mariners have a legit opportunity to um, to pry him away. Um, I think it I think it makes sense. Um, I think they need to get a strong uh, left-handed reliever, not just to get lefties out, but just to give teams different looks. Um, and they haven't had that. You know, they've tried with Mark Subchensky, um, Zach Duke. You know, uh, James Pazos kind of fell off the wagon this year uh, toward the end. Um, yeah, I, I think getting a, betting on more of a sure thing wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them. Yeah, um, it's just so interesting. Your first two, uh, your first two players are free agent pickups, whereas my first two players are uh, trade candidates. So <laughs> for my number four, um, number four flag player for this offseason, I'm going with Jackie Bradley Jr. of the Boston Red Sox. Um, Can we still trade Charlie Furbush for him? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, this kind of follows, it's a very similar line of thinking to Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, these are both controllable guys who play in elite defensive center field. Um, both leave, are not great with the bat, but not terrible. Ironically, they both turn 29 in the same week. So, uh, they both bat left-handed and throw right-handed. It's, uh, basically Kevin Kiermeyer and Jackie Bradley Jr. are the same player. So uh, <laughs> they both run really well. They both provide excellent defense. They both have a little bit of pop. They can steal bases. They can take a walk. Their strikeout rates aren't ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the same idea, right, getting mm-hmm. back to an elite defensive outfield. And I just don't think it's possible to have that without an elite defensive center fielder. Um, Hanniger's very good and right, but he's you can't the ball's not just hit to right field. And D Gordon was, you know, okay at best in center field when he was out there. Guillermo Heredia is drastically overrated um, out there in center field. He's fine, but he's nothing. He's not a plus. So uh, I want to get back to being really good in the outfield and preventing runs. Um, and to be honest, getting a premier defensive outfielder is probably going to be cheaper than getting a, a stud starting pitcher. And uh, run prevention is run prevention. You know, you take away a double in the gap, you know, that's run prevention. Um, it's not as obvious as when you, somebody strikes somebody out, but uh, it is there. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is under club control until after the 2020 season. He's got two years left of arbitration. Um, the Red Sox outfield is stacked, and uh, I would not be shocked if they went out and they, uh, they were aggressive in free agency to add another one and then use Jackie Bradley Jr. as some kind of trade chip. So uh, mm-hmm. Jackie Bradley Jr. is my uh, JBJ, my number four flag player. Yeah, and, and he has the ability to hit um, quite well. I, I believe just 
he's uh, just a year removed from a really good offensive season. Um, yeah, so I, I'm totally down for that. I, I, I think that I would prefer him over Kiermaier, especially because he's been healthier than Kiermaier in the past. Um, yeah, it's a good pick. Um, so you mentioned that my first two were free agents. Um, my next one is a free agent. That's the last one on my, um, that actually made the list. Um, so you called it last night, uh, Patrick Corbin, uh, pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm shocked. He's not number one. I, well, the the next two are pretty interesting, but (laughs) Corbin, um, Jeez, where to start? Uh, you know, we we constantly get comments uh, on our Twitter page and Facebook page about why will the Mariners not spend money on pitching? Well, okay, so first thing is first, the trade market for starting pitching is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just look at what the uh, Yankees gave up for Jay Happ. Um, it's just it's it's insane. Uh, or even look at what the the Pirates just gave up for Chris Archer. Um, the Mariners can't afford anything like that. They cannot get a significant starter in the trade market. Therefore, they have to go to free agency to really significantly bolster their rotation. And Patrick Corbin does exactly that. Now, Colby mentioned this last week. Um and I, I haven't actually had the chance to confirm this or not, but I'm pretty sure that during DePoto's time in Arizona that he he crossed paths with uh, Corbin at some point. Um, so they're familiar with one another. Um, that means something if you, you know, have looked at the Gene Segura situation. Um, and uh, Corbin will be sought after quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he is probably the top uh, starting pitcher on the market. He will command quite a bit. Uh, I believe he's going into his year 30 season next year, so there is a bit of a risk with that. Um, but he gives you someone that you can rely upon. Um, and thickens your, your rotation and gives you a an, an incredible one-two punch between him and James Paxton, two lefties that throw hard, strike out a lot of guys, and just know how to get outs. Um, Corbin, so far this year, is worth 6.3 FR. It's by far his best season of his entire career. Uh, he dealt with Tommy John a few years back. Uh, was shaky a bit in his first year back, but the last few years he's been absolutely fantastic. This year he's been pitching at an ace level or near it, um, and he's been a key contributor to the Diamondbacks' uh, success this season. Um, clearly the Diamondbacks will, will want to try to retain him, but also a lot of other teams will try to get him. It will be a bit of a bidding war, but if you want a pitcher that will make a difference truly in this starting rotation, Patrick Corbin is the guy. Um, There just really isn't another opportunity to do that. Dallas Keuchel is a fine pitcher, but he's not Patrick Corbin in my mind. Um, I think there, there's a lot of potential there with Corbin. 
Um, and he can really help put you over the top, especially if uh, the Astros are to lose Ky- both Keuchel and Charlie Morton. You know, um, that kind of helps your your eventual matchups with the the Astros next season. Um, it just makes you a better team, really. When we when you think about that, um, Patrick Corbin is a really nice pitcher. I'd be excited about it. Some some people would probably uh, question the contract. It will be rather pricey. Uh, I don't know if the Mariners could legitimately get it done. I'm hopeful they can. I'm really excited about the prospect of Corbin being a Mariner. Um, and uh, yeah, that would that would be that would definitely be um, the most exciting free agent signing to me this season. Yeah, hard to blame you with that. So, uh, anyways, I also chose a starting pitcher for my number three spot. However, I once again went back into the trade market, uh, potentially, potentially. This guy, this guy might be non-tendered and become a free agent, but before that happens, I would hope the Mariners would uh, strike. And I'm talking, of course, about Sonny Gray of the New York Yankees. Ah, uh, there you go. Yep. Yes. I, I know Sonny Gray has been bad um, this year when you just look at his numbers, right? He's walking four guys per nine. He has a 4.99 ERA. I mean, it just it doesn't look great. His, but again, you start to dig a little deeper. His FIP is 4.25, which is about league average. He's striking out almost eight and a half batters per nine. Um, and perhaps most importantly, you look at his home away splits. When pitching at Yankee Stadium, he has a 6.98 ERA in 59 and a third innings with a 1.904 whip away from Yankee stadium this year. He has a 3.22 ERA in 67 innings with a 1.164 whip. The strikeout per nine jumps three whole hitters from 6.8 to 9.8. When you get him away from Yankee stadium, uh, he's a ground ball pitcher. He also ha- can miss bats. He's done it the last two years. His strikeout rate has been at about eight and a half. Um, and you know, he's going to turn like the first two guys on my list. He turns 29 here in about a month, a uh, month and a week. So, uh, five weeks, he'll be 29 years old. He's probably going to make about $8 million in arbitration. If you trade him, he is a one-year player, but if you acquire him and he is what he was away from Yankee stadium for you, then you have a legit number two starter. Uh, that isn't going to cost you much trade capital. If he and if the team stinks and he is that good, you have a great trade chip in July. If the team's good and he is good, then there's a very nice possibility that you can work out an extension with him. Um, the stuff is still really good. 93 mile an hour fastball sinker. Um, like I said, he's missing more bats. The walks are a little bit worrisome, but other than that, I mean. And that's the walks are just something that just recently popped up uh, this year. So I am very much all in on Sonny Gray. I think this is an opportunity for the Mariners to get a number three type starter at a number five type of uh, discount. So hopefully if the Yankees are serious about moving Sonny Gray, the Mariners are equally as serious about acquiring him. Um, I just, I worry that if he gets to free agency, if they non-tender him, which is a possibility that, uh, 
the Mariners will get outbid. So I really hope that they're aggressive on this. I know that they were interested in Sonny Gray last season when he was traded to the Yankees. Seems like a really good opportunity to buy low on a really good pitcher. So Sonny Gray is my number three. Cool, cool. Really good one. Um, so now I'm going to dive into the uh, trade market. And this one involves trading Edwin Diaz. Ooh, all right. So I, when I've looked at a possible rebuild or soft rebuild, whatever you, you want to look at it, uh, and have looked at potential trade partners for Edwin Diaz, the, the Atlanta Braves make the most sense. Mm-hmm. And the Atlanta Braves have three really good starting pitching prospects atop their um, rankings along with uh, quite a few others that are a bit lower, like Colby Allard, et cetera. But I'm looking at Mike Soroka, Kyle Wright, or Ian Anderson. So it's kind of a three-way thing. So you get one of these guys, I'm excited. All three of these pitchers are MLB ready. The Braves truly don't need any of them, if we're being honest. They will likely keep two, but they, they can afford to at least trade one. Um, I believe that the Braves will be the team that goes all in this offseason. They'll be the big spenders. They're very close. They're going to the playoffs this, this year. I don't think they have enough to make to make it to the World Series, but they're a very young club that could um, spend quite a bit of money uh, or at least acquire a lot of talent um, this season. They have an excess of prospect capital. This doesn't hurt them in the slightest. And um, they need a closer, a uh, really good one. And Edwin, no one has been better than Edwin Diaz, and no time has been better to sell high on Edwin Diaz than this uh, than this season. Um, you know, uh, we've we've also mentioned the possibility of trading Diaz uh, mid-season next year, uh, but you know, there's always the risk that Diaz falls flat and maybe loses a bit of his value next year. You know, closers. Uh, especially at the major league level, are always up and down. It's always a roller coaster ride. I don't see uh, Diaz regressing that much if he were to regress, but you never know. Um, so I, th- I believe this offseason is the time to sell high. I do believe that you can get uh, um, quite a significant package from a team like the Braves, especially because of the excess of prospect capital that they have. I believe they're top 11 has made it into the top 100 on MLB pipeline. Their farm system is insane. Um, yeah, I, 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 I uh, legitimately could see them getting Soroka, Wright, or Anderson. All are three-plus pitchers um, that all could potentially be aces in this league. They um, acquiring one of them gives you someone that's MLB-ready, right from the jump, they're young, uh, all in their early 20s. That's the kind of prospect that you need. That's the kind of pitcher that, that this team needs if um, they want to get younger and if they want to move forward in the future. I think that that's that's the kind of move that would get me excited if uh, they were to go into a soft or hard rebuild. Yeah, that's uh, certainly creative. I like it. Um, I've been a fan of the... Well, I'm a fan of the hard rebuild, but they're not going to do that. So I am most certainly in a huge fan of the trade Diaz 
for uh, for a nice prospect package. Um, you know, I wrote a little while ago uh, the Mariners' asking price for Edwin Diaz should start with Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman comps. And Andrew Miller got the Yankees Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield. Um, Aroldis Chapman got Glaber Torres and uh, McKinney, I believe. Yeah, he was McKinney was the third player in that deal. Actually, oh, yeah. there was another guy who was I can't remember who it was. Uh, the name's escaping me, but and by the way, McKinney was just flipped for Jay Happ, who's been a really solid pitcher this year. So yeah, yeah, that's where the asking price should start. Um, it's not ridiculous for the Mariners to ask for two of those starters, you know. Yeah. So uh, if you can do that, uh, or at least one of them, and maybe Colby Allard. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things you can do there. If you can get two potential young twenties, six years of club control starting pitchers uh, with legitimate, you know, number two or even number one upside, I you have to strongly consider it. Um, and I just. I, I don't know if Jerry DePoto will, but he absolutely should. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. So uh, for my number two, um, I am finally headed into the free agent class. And I am, of course, talking about my man crush, A.J. Pollock. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big A.J. Pollock fan. I have been for a while. Um, the dude can play baseball. Um, there's really no denying that. Um, he missed all of 2016, most of 2016 at least. I believe he broke his shoulder blade sliding into home plate, um, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. Um, the year before that, in 2015 though, 315, 367, 498, with 39 stolen bases and 20 home runs. Um, that was really his career year. That was good for a, a 6.8 F4. Um, and yeah, the guy plays a really good center field. Not not as good as Bradley or Kiermaier, but really solid. Um, he's definitely a better hitter than those two. And even this year in what most people say is a pretty down year, in 108 games, 256, 314, 475. Um, so uh, with 11 steals and 19 home runs, this is a guy who could go 20-20 when he's fully healthy. Um, yes, health is a concern. Like he Since becoming a full-time player um, back in 2013, we have had seasons where he's played less than 100 games. Uh, 2014, he played 75. In 2016, he played 12. Um, mm-hmm. But if you look at it, since 2013, he's averaged 100 games, uh, 100 games per season. And that includes, you know, the 12-game disaster of 2016. Um, and his averages in that time, you're looking at uh, his 162-game average in that time. Sorry, you're looking at uh, 38 doubles. 19 home runs, 28 stolen bases, and a 282, 339, 468 uh, slash line with solid defense and center and really good base running. And yet, every time I mention this, at least on the social media, people have been uh, quick to say, hell no, because, oh, he's going to get hurt and he's 31 years old. And I actually think those things work in his favor or the Mariners' favor, I should say. Yeah. Um, signing him because it is going to depress his market. It's going to happen. And I'm talking about AJ Pollock. I can get a potential. If I get one season like 2015 from AJ Pollock, it makes up for the entire rest of the contract. And this is a guy that I might be able to get for Josh Reddick money, four years, $56 yeah. million. 
that's a slam dunk. You do it every day of the week. I'll go five years and $75 million. I don't care. Get him here. A.J. Pollock, by the way, was drafted by Jerry DePoto. There you go. Jerry DePoto went to bat for A.J. Pollock. That was the guy he really wanted in 2009. He drafted him. Yep. He got him. So I think there's a good connection there. It just makes sense. Pollock is a guy that you can hit one through nine in your lineup. I guess he just a really, really good player. And I think people are over, I think people are overplaying the whole injury card. I mm-hmm. mean, aside from one season where he played 12 games, he's been fine. 137, 75, 157, 112, 108. And by the way, I have a guy who can cover center field for a month if Pollock gets hurt. Like the bat is just too good to ignore. So AJ Pollock is my number two flag player. Sweet. All right, so my number one really isn't a player specifically. Uh, It's more of an idea. And the idea is that Bryce Harper goes to the Dodgers, uh, therefore creating even more of a logjam within their outfield. Um, This year, with Mac Muncy's uprise, they've had to play uh, Cody Bellinger out in the outfield more. Um, you know, they have Puig, they have Jock Peterson. I think Jock Peterson or maybe even Puig could be a potential trade target for this team, uh, this off season. And I think that's a really, uh, out of nowhere, uh, idea. Um, I think it's something that would greatly, um, help this team give them, um, a certain, you know, superstar potential that, you know, they, they may, uh, could actually afford, um, which is probably not possible for them on either the trade or free agent market, um, elsewhere. Um, the Mariners do seem to have a pretty decent relationship in making deals with the Dodgers. Uh, we basically handed them Chris Taylor for free. So maybe they'll be nice to us in that respect. Uh, but, um, but no, just, you know, looking at their outfield, um, they're probably going to have to move on from someone, uh, especially if Harper is a realistic, um, idea for them. I do believe that is where Harper ends up. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Jock Peterson or even Puig, but more so Peterson because he can play center field, um, gives you a lot of uh, flexibility with how you, with how you work your lineup and gives you more of a sure thing out there. I, you know, um, it's not the, you know, it's not the huge defensive upgrade like Kiermaier. It's not uh, the, you know, consistent bat of AJ Pollock, but it's a, it's a young player that uh, gives you solid production that, is uh, a potential superstar caliber player. And um, I think they have a legitimate opportunity to, to acquire uh, a player like that uh, in this particular situation. So that I would get excited about that. Um, that would get me very excited about the potential of this, of this lineup moving forward. Um, I wouldn't be as excited about uh, Puig, but I'd still be pretty excited. Cause I, I just, I like Puig. Um, 
<laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, uh, um, that's an interesting idea. You know, that's, that, that was what I kind of wanted to do with my last two on this list was just to look at really, um, interesting avenues to go down in, uh, in the trade, uh, uh, market. Um, because, you know, there's kind of like the obvious deals out there, that, um, like, you know, making a deal with, you know, and, you know, a losing team like the Marlins and blah, 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 blah. No, let's let's go after some of these these contenders that have excess of talent that could let one or two of their players go. Um, and I, I view both the Dodgers and the Braves as that. And um, yeah, I think I think the Dodgers can help uh, the Mariners get better at the major league level immediately, um, and for a relatively affordable price, at least for the Mariners. So your number one flag player is whoever loses the game of musical chairs in Los Angeles. Basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that works fine for me because I I'm a big fan of uh, Jock Peterson, um, and I think I'd probably be the most likely loser of that game. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Jock Peterson. I have been for a while. Uh, you sell Puig doesn't bother me at all. Um, I find him entertaining. I yeah. I don't think Bellinger is going to be on the block. But uh, I mean, hey, I mean, if he is Edwin Diaz, there that's a it's a trade I'd strongly consider. So uh, yeah. I like the creativity there. Um, unfortunately, I did not go creative for my number one player. Um, although I will say this player started out when I first sat down and wrote out my list, he went from honorable mention to number one in about an hour. Ooh. So uh, yeah. And that is, of course, Michael Brantley of the Cleveland Indians. Ah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Michael Brantley, again, my list has definitely very uh, – you can definitely see what my, what I think the biggest issue for the Mariners is next year. Um, but for me, Michael Brantley is a lot like A.J. Pollock. Um, he's a guy who's a really good player that people, for some reason, think is just like this super injury-prone guy, and he's not. So uh, – since 2011, all right, here's his gameplay total since 2011, which is when he uh, officially became a full-time starter. 114 games, 149, 151, 156, 137. Then in 2016, he played 11. And then he played 90, working his way back in 2017. And so far this year, he's at 138. So, again, there's this idea that Michael Brantley is some kind of frail player. Um, no. Aside from 2016, when he missed pretty much the entire season, he's been a very reliable performer. And you look at his career slash line of 295, 351, 430, um, and even that's a little misleading. In the last two years, he's slugged 444 and 471. The on-base percentage hasn't dropped at all. Um, he is not a terrific base stealer person. Actually, he is trying to he is an exceptional base stealer. He just doesn't do it a lot, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, right, yeah. Yeah, He in 147 attempts, he's been successful 117 times. It's a really good ratio, and if you look at it since 2014, uh, 23 stolen base attempts, or 24 stolen base attempts caught once. 16 base attempts caught once. In 2017, uh, 20, uh, he had 12 base stealing attempts, was only caught once. This year he has 14 attempts. He's been caught three times. So when the guy decides to run, you have a great chance of being safe in there. 
Um, like I said, his average over the last eight seasons uh, per 162 games, you're looking at 15 home runs, 41 doubles, 18 stolen bases, 298, 355, 441. He doesn't yeah, play. Yeah. He doesn't play a great outfield, uh, mind you, but it is left field. Um, you're not asking him to come in and be a center fielder. Left field at Safeco is a little bit easier than left field in uh, in Cleveland. Um, and again, the bat is just so so good. He'll be 32 in May, um, so there's legitimate concern there. I get that, but again, I went into this. Oh, Michael Brantley would be good if only he could stay healthy. And then I actually took five minutes to look at his baseball reference page and I said oh I'm an idiot Michael Brantley has always been healthy with the exception of one season like and he's always been really good he's a three-time all-star he's won a silver slugger he's got finished top 30 in MVP voting twice he might do it again this year he's a really good player and I just think that people when they think of Michael Brantley because I did it too think "Eh, that guy's always hurt he's not he's just a really good player and I think of putting Michael Brantley in the number three spot in the lineup or number two. You can go Hanniger, Brantley, Cano. Again, I'm assuming Cruz is back. Or you can hit him fifth, so you can bump Seager down. Top to bottom, you can put him anywhere you want in your lineup. He's just a good player. So Michael Brantley is my number one flag player. So, And, and this also is contingent upon them um, buying uh, Span's contract out, correct? Or trading it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it gets contingent on Span. The only way I see Span back, um, I don't think Span wants to be here, and I don't think it has anything to do with like he hates Seattle. I think he wants to be on the East Coast, right? Um, which is you know closer to his home. So I, mm-hmm. I think they'll buy out the contract, but they could always pick up the option. It's twelve million dollars, and they can try and trade him. Um, and you know, again, it's total speculation. He might want to be here, and, but in which case, it might make sense to have Denard Span be your your uh, DH most days and move on from Nelson Cruz as weird as that sounds. Um, That's a a solid idea. Yeah. So uh, anyways, yeah. Brantley for left field 2019. Let's make it happen. All right. So let's recap uh, where we are. Um, So my five uh, from bottom to top was Daniel Murphy, Andrew Miller, Patrick Corbin, and then some sort of, uh, combination of Mike Soroka, Kyle Wright, or Ian Anderson. And then, as you uh, called it, whoever loses the game of musical chairs in the Dodger outfield, uh, which we'll say is Jock Peterson at number one. Sure. And uh, my list consisted of Kevin Kiermeyer at five, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., then Sonny Gray, A.J. Pollock, and Michael Brantley as my number one flag player this offseason. Cool. So let's uh, let's get into some honorable mentions. I think we were actually supposed to do that before we got into our number one. Um, whatever. But yeah, but you know, we uh, you know we think on our feet here at uh, Soto Mojo uh, because we're terrible so, at planning things. Yeah, basically that. Yeah, we try to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, our uh, my honorable mentions. I have three of them. Um, and I try to get a little bit creative here. Um, so you mentioned Kiermaier and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is kind of more like a defense first, uh, offense second outfielder sure. or uh, center fielder. Um, mine was Billy Hamilton, who's Ooh, been talked okay. talked about a lot. Uh, Hamilton is a mediocre at best offensive player. He's an incredible base dealer, but just at the plate, he's not great. Uh, he's also pro- 
potentially the best defensive center fielder in baseball. Um, so, and he might not be all that too expensive. However, the Reds might want to keep him because the Reds are starting to trend upwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Um, my second honorable mention, uh, I believe that the Mariners should move on from Mike Zanino if uh, they have a backup plan, right? Sure. And I think that backup plan would be someone like Wilson Ramos, who has been able to make an, you know, make the all-star team and hit for average and get on base, which is something Mike Zanino just hasn't been able to do. Ramos isn't a great defensive catcher, but at this point, I'm willing to sacrifice defense for more offense. Uh, I think where this team uh, really fell apart was when its stars um, started to come back down to earth and the rest of the team just couldn't pick them up because they, they, they had too many question marks uh, with players like Mike Zanino and uh, Ryan Healy. And I think Wilson Ramos kind of alleviates that. Um, thirdly, uh, this is an interesting one because it's kind of contingent upon if he actually gets healthy this season uh, for for the next season is Garrett Richards. Um, yes, sir. He's kind of a uh, bounce back candidate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Angels basically just ran him into the ground, um, and I think uh, if you, you can get him on a potentially pretty cheap deal, uh, maybe similar to what the Cubs did with Drew Smiley this year, maybe a little bit more money wrapped up in Richards, but um, I think the idea could be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's a decent uh, flyer to take. Um, I don't think Richards will be back uh, in Anaheim. I, I think that bridge has been burned. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I really like the Richards pick. Um, it's a guy who misses bats and gets ground balls. It's hard not to like that. Um, so uh, my honorable mention list is quite a bit larger, so I'll be uh, I'll be briefer with each name. Um, Marcelo Zuna kind of had a down year a bit with the uh, Cardinals. They always seem to have excess outfielders, and I know that the Mariners at least checked with uh, the Cardinals in July about Ozuna, and uh, we're told he wasn't available. But uh, it might be something that they look back on, and he would certainly help. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, I I really love a good utility player, um, and Marwin Gonzalez is probably the best one on the market this year. Um, it's I just I think, and I hope that if they don't trade D Gordon, the Mariners plan on using him as their utility guy. So I don't really see a great fit there, but I really like Marwin Gonzalez, the player. Um, a couple former Mariners also made my list, Jay Happ and Justin Smoke. Just because they were bad here once doesn't mean they're going to be bad here again. They're different players than what they were two years ago, three years ago. And in the case of Justin Smoke, that is a huge upgrade at first base, both offensively and defensively. And Jay Happ in the middle of your rotation, that's that's fine. Like, that's certainly nothing to cry about. Um, a player that I mentioned in my personal trade deadline plan, Michael Waka, um, you know, it's a shame he just never get, got back this year with injury. Of course, you'll have to check out his uh, his medicals and all that stuff. But uh, I really like him. I think there's potential there to be a, a number two type. 
Um, we'll wait and see. But at worst, he's a number four type. I like him a lot. Um, Keon Broxton is another uh, center field type. Really good defender. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah, really good defender. Hasn't quite figured it out with the bat, but he does have 20-20 potential. Um, good power, good speed, good defender, young guy. You know, there's he played really well for the one week he was up with the Brewers. Yeah, sure. yeah, and he, like you see, he has a pretty decent. Uh, he actually has a small track record of some success in the major leagues. He's twenty. He'll be twenty nine. The Brewers are stacked in the outfield. I just like that name a lot. Um, and he he mashed that safe guy when the Brewers were there two years ago. <laughs> so awesome. I just, in 2017, he had 20 home runs, and he stole 21 uh, bases with pretty good defense, and he's a pretty good base runner, so I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, just because he's like my favorite he's like my favorite player in all of baseball, Bryce Harper would be so sweet, but I'm also not delusional, so, uh, <laughs> so I'll just mention his name right there. And then uh, his name might make some Mariner fans cringe, but Austin Romine, uh, Andrew's brother, uh, yeah, that's a that's a solid. Yeah, option. as a backup catcher. Um, actually, I almost included him. I almost cheated a little bit and included him with the uh, Sonny Gray trade. Uh, Romine has kind of become uh, Gray's personal catcher in New York, um, and he's actually a pretty decent bat uh, for a backup catcher uh, this year in seventy five games: two forty four, two ninety seven, four twenty three. Uh, pretty good defender. Uh, you know, he's he's a nice he's a nice bat and somebody who can at least push Mike Zanino. So uh, those are my honorable mentions. Cool. All right, so I think we're gonna get into our underwhelming players. Um, funny enough, my my phone is at six percent, so we're gonna rapid fire through these. Okay. <laughs> Let's um, do it. Okay, so. Uh, Initially, when we when we started this idea for for this podcast of doing the flag players, I also like last night thought, well, let's do like who would really like underwhelm us or upset us if the Mariners uh, acquired them. Um, three of the players on my list are kind of very samey, but I'll go through the order. So uh, number five for me uh, is kind of just a mix of three guys again. Uh, it's Drew Brutera, Jeff Mathis. Or Nick Hunley, I just I don't want to go this route again um, with the backup catcher getting these guys that are fine defensively and are complete offensive nightmares. Um, yeah, just don't just don't do it again, please. <laughs> I, I just can we? I, I just if you're going to contend, please get better bench depth, please. Um, number four is a name that I actually liked for the Mariners at the trade deadline, but now don't as much, is uh, Matthew Boyd. I think he would cost quite a bit uh, in a trade. Um, I don't think he's worth that. Uh, He's a solid pitcher with a lot of potential. He could be really good um, in Seattle, but I just, I don't see it. Um, I wouldn't really get excited about that. I just feel like it's another middle of the road kind of uh, acquisition that just it's fine, but it's, it's not really going to give me um, too hype about anything. And that kind of leads into the next one is Ian Kennedy is another uh, kind of low risk, 
middle reward uh, kind of pitcher. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's fine if they acquire Ian, Ian Kennedy. It's just not really something that gets me excited or really shifts the the tides um, for the Mariners. I you know it, again if this team wants to contend. I just don't see that as a move that gets them to contend uh, for a playoff spot. I don't know. Um, my number two is uh, is another high power, high strikeout guy. So pretty much a high ceiling, low floor guy, a la Ryan Healy. Um, I just I I really want to go into the season with as few uh, questions as possible especially um, about the lineup. I don't want this lineup to be – I don't want our superstars on this team surrounded by a bunch of guys that if everything goes right, they will succeed. Um, I just don't want to do that again. Um, they have plenty of this, and Ryan Healy and Mike Zanino. Uh, I think they should move a, a forward without both of those players. Um, I'll go into further depth about that you know, later on as we, you know, get deeper into the off season. I, I just, I, again, if you want to contend, you, you cannot have players like that. And, um, yeah. And wait, yeah. Who, the, the, who is this player? You haven't said his name yet. No, it's, it's not a player. Oh, just it's a, not. Okay. It's just an idea of a player. Gotcha. It's, a, it's just another high power, high strike at. Right. Guy. Right. Gotcha. Um, just yeah, just uh, you know, just take Ryan Healy. I'm sure, <laughs> right? You right. know, yeah, I, I yeah. It. Just okay. Uh, and then number one is Matt Harvey. Um, Interesting. He's 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 fine, but it's just it's not. <laughs> it doesn't get me excited at all. It's you know he did okay with Cincinnati, but um, when I when I think of Matt Harvey, I think uh, if he if the Mariners were to acquire him, it would be their biggest signing quote unquote uh to them uh and i just don't get excited about that i i I really just i don't think that gets it done i don't think that makes the rotation really all that much better um you know i think he's better than felix but you're not going to be able to replace felix so therefore matt harvey is supposed to replace one of wade leblanc mike leak James Paxson or Marco Gonzalez. And I don't think he's better than any of those pitchers really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Matt Harvey does not get me excited. And then I'll just do my honorable mentions. Um, I only have two and it's funny uh, that you actually brought this one up for your honorable mentions for your flag player is Jay Happ. Um, <laughs> I, I like Jay Happ. I think he's I think he's a really good pitcher, but he's going to command quite a bit of money on the market. Sure. Uh, I don't think he's uh, worth it to this team where where they're at right now. Um, I think the money could be spent um, elsewhere. Uh, realistically, uh, honestly, if Jay Happ is the best pitcher that they can realistically get, I rather they focus their 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 available funds. Um, on uh, position players, um, you know, if, if Jay Happ, for example, were to take money away from, uh, a, you know, an AJ Pollock fund, I'd rather have Pollock. Um, 
so you know and i and i don't know if it's just you know it, if it's simply as black and white as you know you get one or the other i don't know that we'll have to see um but just right now just looking at j hap looking at the numbers that he will probably earn on the market plus he, there will be a bit of a bidding war uh as he won't have the uh, qualifying offer attached to him i just i don't see it um i don't i don't really get excited about that and then finally uh i mentioned this name but he's more of like an idea uh is jerry blevins Mm -hmm. uh just kind of kind of that you know another reliever that's along the lines of a mark sepchinski um where he's you know a, a reliever that can be decent but really hasn't been decent um you know, I, I think if you're going to add to this bullpen, especially in free agency, and wrap up your money in uh, in a reliever, it has to be one of these top guys, like I mentioned, in Andrew Miller, David Robertson, Zach Britton, Cody Allen, someone like that. If you're if you are going to get into the uh, free agent pool for relievers at all this offseason, I just I uh, if it's like a Jerry Blevins or even we can go even a little bit higher and say like AJ Ramos. Um, so yeah, let's, let's say AJ Ramos instead. Uh, that's just not a guy that I just really see as a, um, you know, as someone that, uh, that shifts the needle, uh, too much for this bullpen, a, a decent piece at best, but not really anything that, um, you know, that, that gets me too excited or gets this bullpen where it should be. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I have. Yeah. Uh, so just real fast, my underwhelming players are uh, number five, Lucas Duda. Um, it's just yeah. I don't want to platoon at first base. I, if you move Ryan Healy for something useful, fine, I guess. But at that point, you just move Cano. I, I don't know. Duda just feels like uh, a Band-Aid where you need stitches. So uh, Yeah, let's. I want to quickly talk about something because you just mentioned that. Um, sure. I think if they do mention, uh, if they do move away from um, from uh, Healy, mm-hmm. uh, and they, you know, the obvious choice then is not to get another first baseman. It's to move Cano over to first base because that's where he needs that's where he needs to be for the rest of his career, honestly. And um, the second base market is really good, yeah, free uh, agent wise. Uh, Dozier, Lemayhew, Jed Lowry, Daniel Murphy, as I mentioned earlier. Those are the kind of guys that I would like to see if if uh, Healy uh, were to get moved on from. But anyway, uh, yeah, you continue. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. Um, number four is Dan Straley. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, he's like a number five, number six type, and I just don't think he's better than anybody they currently have. And I could totally see them trading for him and being like, oh, look at the, look at what we added. We added this really good piece. No, you didn't. You added, like, a number six starter. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, number three on my list is John Jay, somebody who I think they'll actually have interest in and isn't the worst player in the world. He gets on base. He's an okay base runner and defender. But there's just no power there. Um, there's no upside. He's just kind of there, you know. And, like I said, yeah. he's not the worst player in the world, but he's just so boring. Um, yeah, I think he's one of those players that I've been talking about that adds a certain level of consistency to the lineup. But mm-hmm. like you said, he's boring. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of stuff for you. Um, he doesn't have the ones. Yeah. Like I said, he gets on base. 
he'd be a pretty solid number nine hitter. Um, I just, I would hope that they would do better. Um, now, if John Jay is accompanied with you spending your money on uh, Patrick Corbin, fine. Um, but if John yeah. Jay is accompanied with you spending more money on, like, you know, Dan Straley, like, no, that's not, no, that's not, you can't add players who are 20th to 25th on your roster. That, that's not going to be good enough. Um, so anyways, that's why he's there. I, I wouldn't mind John Jay, but I would really hope that he is like the third or fourth biggest acquisition this off season. Um, uh, number two on my list is actually Matt Harvey. Um, I'm right there with you. Everybody. Oh my God, he's going to break out. He's going to break out. He's going to find 2014 Matt Harvey again. No, he's not. So leave him alone again. He's a number five starter at best. Um, you get later into the off season and he's around for a one year deal fine, whatever. But I just feel like somebody's going to give that guy like two years at like $18 million. And I really hope it's not the Mariners because he's not worth that right now. Um, and then my number one is uh, actually Adam Jones. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Adam Jones just isn't that good anymore, guys. Um, you know, he'll hit for a decent average. He's got some power, but he's not going to take any walks. He's a really, he's a really poor defensive center fielder. Um, he doesn't steal bases. I, he's basically like a good platoon mate with Jay, with John Jay. Like that's what he is. And I think people would, if they, if they signed him, people would say, Oh my God, that's a huge name. You know, I know him. He's going to be really good. He's a good player. He's not anymore. He's, you know, he's a fourth outfield type or part of a platoon. Uh, so, you know, it would be kind of cool to see him back here in Seattle. Um, but at the same time, it would be annoying because he's just not that good anymore. So yeah. Adam, Adam Jones is my number one underwhelming uh, addition. And then do you have any honorable mentions? Um, not, not specifically players, but uh, I really don't want to see them like a journeyman utility guy. Like, yeah, no, we don't need Andrew Romine. We don't need Gordon Beckham. Either go get a real one or use D Gordon that way. Um, Anybody, or just do without. <laughs> yeah, which you can. I mean, if D Gordon's going to stick around, you can. Um, the rest of your infield is versatile enough. Um, I'm not really interested, honestly, in the uh, in the fifth inning or like the sixth inning. Like, I don't need another Sam Tui Blala. Nothing against. Yeah. Nothing against him. That's a useful piece, but I just feel like with Vincent and eventually Tui Blala and Festa and. You know, all these other guys that you had. And, you know, and Art Warren is probably going to be a part of the equation. Uh, I think he's a free agent after this year, so. Art Warren is a free agent? Oh, sorry. Ar- Adam Warren. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah but yeah, I'm yeah. talking about, yeah, yeah, about yeah. Art Warren. Yeah. Art Warren and uh, maybe Wyatt Mills. I just think you have plenty of those, like, low leverage, first guy out of the bullpen types. And it just doesn't make any sense to use money on those guys. If you're going to spend money on your bullpen, you go get somebody who is, like, a legitimate, like, "Quote unquote closer." Um, yeah, I hate that label, but you go get a guy who can pitch high leverage, or you just go and you try to find value like you did with Sean Armstrong and Chase and Bradford. You don't need another guy like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's that type of player that I would just I I'm not into this year. Like if they do it, fine, but it better be like like when we write the off season review, those better be like guys that we mentioned just because it happened, not like. Oh, they're really banking on, you know, AJ Ramos to be 
a stud eighth inning setup guy. Like, no, no. So that type of player I'm not interested in at all. So. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honestly waiting for the inevitable, uh, Brad Ziegler signing. Uh, I I know something like that will probably happen, happen, and it's going to piss me off to no end. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I just don't see the kinds of moves that they made these past two off seasons. Well, at least this past off season, um, as viable for where this team needs to go. Um, and that's why, you know, potentially reaching like 90 wins and being the first team. Well, this is also contingent upon if the Rays don't make 90 wins, but becoming the first, you know, 90 win team to miss the, the playoffs with the second ball card. Um, you know, I feel like that just creates such a weird sense of confidence that really isn't earned because they didn't accomplish anything. And the only reason really for being honest that the Mariners have such a high win total, it's because the, the American league was so bad this year. It was just extraordinarily bad. You know, a lot of, a lot of people have, have tweeted us and, and, you know, and we just see it on Twitter that, Oh, if the Mariners were in the AL central or if they were in the national league, they, they would be in first place. or they would be right in the thick of it. No, if they were in the National League, they would be bottom third, probably. That's, you know, the way that they fell apart this year wasn't, a you know, just a coincidence. <laughs> they they weren't good in, in many facets of the game. Um, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent that they can build around. Um but overall, the team is just there, there's a huge drop off from seventh best player to eighth best player. Yeah, and um, and that just cannot continue if they are really serious about contending this year because the American League is going to get better. Um, there's no question about that, uh, especially if you know teams like the Astros and the Indians start to lose. Uh, some of their key players, like if the Indians lose Cody Allen and Michael Brantley and the Astros lose Keuchel and Morton, um, you know, the American League is going to see opportunity in that. Um, and, yeah, the, it's going to be a, a way more competitive league. Because think about this. When the, when the Mariners were going into uh, – into the month of July, and they they were up by what eleven and a half games over the over the A's. Um, they were the last team in the American League that was above five hundred. The A's were under five hundred. The Rays were under five hundred. All these other teams were just terrible. You know, Blue Jays, Twins, etc., were seventeen games back, eighteen games back, etc. of the of the Mariners already at that point. The American League was just bad. And the Mariners were beating up on bad teams. They had a very easy schedule for the first three months. We acknowledged that. We knew that. That's why we constantly talked about how they were creating a cushion for themselves. And we we obviously just couldn't foresee the, the A's going on an insane run. Yeah. Um, that was just unheard of. That somehow was sustainable um, despite all odds. Uh, and so... 
you know, and, and Jerry DePoto will probably look at that and say, that is the weirdest thing that could ever happen to us. And that won't happen again this year because we have a really good team and we're going to stick to our guns. They have to get better. They have to get better. They have to limit the question marks they ha- as much as they possibly can. If this season, if they can go into this season with Kyle Seeger being the biggest question mark in their lineup, I am totally fine with that. I feel comfortable about that. Yeah, um, yeah I just, I, I, you know, I, I don't see them actually spending money on, on the rotation. I, I think, one, because it's going to cost them a lot of money to get someone like Keuchel or Corbin. Uh, and I just don't see one of those middle-of-the-road pitchers being better than LeBlanc or Marco or Paxson or Leak. You know, because Felix, unfortunately, given his horrendous contract, is guaranteed a spot on the rotation this year. You ha- it, it's just that Yeah, at least to start. And so, therefore, they're not going to get a pitcher to replace Felix this offseason. They may during the season if they succeed, um, but from the jump, it, they're not going to do that. They're going to go into 2019 knowing that Felix is probably their number five um, and somehow try to shoehorn him into starting the opening day. <laughs> oh, it's already happening. Yeah. Opening so, day 2019 will be in Japan. Felix Hernandez Ichiro. will be on the mound, and Ichiro will be starting in right field. <laughs> and I, at that point, I might literally blow my head off. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, now I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this episode. We got to uh, skedaddle because uh, apparently Ty doesn't know how to charge his phone. So, <laughs> so, well, actually, in all fairness, it's almost five o'clock over there. So, uh, yeah. is it three hours ahead? Yeah, it's yeah, it's four fifty-seven right now. Yeah. So. Uh, Anyways, so we got to let Ty go. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this episode of the Flag Players, um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this type of episode because this is where we're headed for the rest of the uh, really until what March or yeah. February at least. Um, yeah. It's going to be a lot of off season talk, guys. A lot of trade proposals. A lot of uh, a lot of free agent discussions. Be sure to check the website. We're going to be doing player profiles and trade packages and. All that fun stuff that I know you guys love, and honestly, I love, and Ty loves, and basically every writer on our staff loves. This is a really fun time of year, um, you know. And hopefully, the Mariners are going to surprise both of us and go make some big moves or decide to blow the whole thing up. And yeah, I, I don't even believe myself. So uh, either way, we're we're excited. Yeah, it, the offseason's fun no matter what. So, uh, you know, enjoy this last week of Mariners baseball, and then you'll get some fun uh, playoff baseball. And then, yeah, you guys realize in about a month we won't have any actual baseball on our televisions. Uh, that's, man, that's tough to deal with. But uh, we'll be here with you guys. We'll get through it together, and uh, we'll just keep having fun and coming up with crazy trade ideas for you guys to uh, – to laugh at us about. So uh, from all of us here at SotoMojo.com, this is Colby Patnote signing off, and we will see you guys in another life. Peace.